0: Then Jesus went about, all the cities and all the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve disciples and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not take a road leading to Gentiles, and do not enter a Samaritan town, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment. Give without payment. This is the gospel of the Lord. No city was too big. No village was too small. No sickness was too strong. Jesus made it look all so easy. It made me wonder, though, did he ever get tired? When Jesus laid down at night, did his feet hurt or blister from all the walking? Was his throat hoarse from all the teaching and talking? I mean, so far in Matthew, Jesus has been hard at work. Healing, teaching, setting people free from demons. But we don't hear much detail about how he was feeling or what he was thinking. I guess after all, it's kind of hard to get those details when you're not the one telling the story. Yet today, we get just a little insight. From town to town, a huge crowd begins to follow Jesus, wanting and waiting to hear the teachings, to see the healings, hoping that they themselves might be on the receiving end. And as Jesus goes from town to town, did more miracles taught in more synagogues, the crowd grew larger. So much so that it seems now that the crowd is at the size where they can't go unnoticed. And so Jesus turned saw the crowd and were told he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. That word compassion, we hear it all the time, but literally it means to be moved in one's bowels, to be stirred up in one's insides. Jesus saw their hurt. He smelled the stench of their struggle. He heard the cries of their desperation. The sight, the sound, the scent, it was gut wrenching for Jesus. He felt the pressure to do something about it all, so he instructed his disciples to pray. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. It's nothing new to hear Jesus give instructions on how to pray or on what to say. But what I love about this prayer is that immediately Jesus gathered his disciples and sent them into the harvest. Jesus prayed and then he answers his own prayer. It's just as Pope Francis says we pray for the hungry and then we go feed them. That's how prayer works. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Once gathered, Jesus equipped the disciples with authority and instructed them to do all the same things that he had been doing. Proclaim the good news, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, all work of healing and liberation, of setting free. We often say that the church began at Pentecost, but there's a pretty good argument that the church began here when Jesus gathered, equipped, and sent out these disciples to do his work. It's curious to me, though, and I don't know if you caught this, but the disciples aren't permitted to go anywhere that leads the Gentiles or Samaritans. (sighs) Why so? I mean, what's going on with that? Are they not worthy of healing and being set free? I don't think that's the case. In fact, I think it's quite the opposite. The last words of Jesus in Matthew are, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Expanding and overriding the limitations that are set here. It's as if Jesus is saying, start with where and with whom you know best. Because soon... Your call will be to the ends of the earth, but not yet. And so with clear instructions and well-equipped, the disciples set out to heal and to set free. For me, the story confronts us with so many questions. What sights and sounds and sensations fill you with compassion? Upon what crowd do you look at and find it gut-wrenching? Who are the harassed and helpless of today? Would you agree with Jesus that still today the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few? And perhaps Most of all, the story made me ask the question that if Jesus were to summon us today, were to call us by name, gather us in one place, and then send us out, what would our mission be? Would it be to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, I mean, what authority have we been given? At first, I wanted to say that our mission had to be completely different than that of the disciples. I mean, we're not tasked with curing the sick or healing every disease. We leave that to doctors and to nurses. And as for unclean spirits, we don't really talk like that anymore. Most of us, that sounds like religious fanaticism or or crazy talk. Yet I thought again, and are there not unclean spirits that harass and oppress and hold down people still today? It's not racism or poverty or homophobia still at work hurting our neighbors. Absolutely they are. I just read a report on the rise of violent and hateful acts toward LGBTQ people and communities over the past 11 months, acts of armed protest, online harassment, bomb threats. Poverty in central Indiana has been on the rise since 1970, most predominantly in black and brown neighborhoods. And while this is only anecdotal, our phones here at Cross of Grace have been ringing off the hook with people asking for groceries or gas cards, many for the first time. And as for racism, there's too much that could be said. Last week, uh, myself and two others two other partners in mission, attended the Interrupting Racism workshop that Pastor Mark set up as a part of his sabbatical. Ten partners in mission will go to this workshop over the course of the summer. It's an intense two days. And they do a a tough job of showing the historical and current damage and divisions caused by racism. In Francia Kissel's class that she's leading on the book, How the Word is Passed, we've begun learning just how whitewashed our history has been. Revealing that the unclean spirit of racism still dwells in our societal systems, our cities, even ourselves. For that reason, I largely agree with theologian Washington Gladden, who said that the most important mission of the church to society today is the reconciliation of races. What must be done is to take this chaotic mass of dissimilar, suspicious, antipathetic racial elements and blend them into unity. The first Christian church had a task similar in nature, bringing together in one fellowship Jews and Gentiles but Gladden thinks that that was a pastime compared with the Herculean Herculean labor entrusted to us. Washington Gladden is known as the father of the social gospel movement. We sang one of his hymns at the first service today. He wrote that quote in 1908. It's been over 100 years. And here we are. We've been doing work around racism for a while. It's easy to feel overwhelmed, to feel like we've talked about it enough. I mean, what's the point? If New Powell is 97 to 98% white, then the chances or likelihood of Cross of Grace being a racially diverse place is pretty low. That's true but I don't think it takes much work to look around and see that this area is growing. New Powell and Hancock County. Census data says that it's grown 20% in 10 years. And I see all of the construction and development every day when I drive in here to work. All of it telling me that this trend will only increase. So as this area grows... And does diversify, hopefully, we will be a place and a people well equipped to welcome and support our black and brown neighbors. Yet, I, I wonder if, even more than that, what if the point? of all of this talk on racism, our proximity to it, our learning the history, the reading of all the books, attending the workshops. I wonder if the point is not to gather all folks of color into our fold, but rather to be sent out as missionaries, to be sent out as apostles of Jesus to cast out unclean spirits of racism in the places, and among the people we know best. Our families, our homes, ourselves, our work, our neighborhoods, our schools, our communities, our very town. When we do that, we too are proclaiming the good news that God's kingdom of justice and mercy has come near. Such a mission is difficult, no doubt. And you may feel like you don't know where to begin or what to say or what to do, or even if you're on board with all of this. And that's okay. That's valid. But what that means is that one of the missions of this place is to equip one another for that work. That's why we do the workshops, the book studies, the adult forums, and occasionally even the sermons. Because Christ has chosen you, all of you, as co-workers, as his co-workers, gathered, equipped, and sent out to cast out unclean spirits wherever they are at work but especially in the places and among the people that we know best. And yet, as Jesus points out, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So we ask the Lord to send out laborers, and then we go and we cast out unclean spirits because that's how prayer works. Amen.